Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adel Marcy, and today we are bringing yet another amazing guest to the forte, and I fucking love this person's energy. I like. I feel like crap like when I started this call. Within five minutes, he had me laughing, and just right up there, right on the energy scale. Um, it's the one and only Johnny Cooper. Johnny, welcome to the yep. show. Yeah, fantastic. You love my energy. You also love my porridge, don't you? Steel rolled God oats. damn it, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, but then again, you're from the Midlands, and so am I, so that's fine. But I'm from the I East see. Midlands, so. Yeah, you're from Leicester, aren't you? Yeah, very much so. I love how you saw that. I was like, how does he know? I was like, it's on your Facebook, dude. It's on your Facebook. Yeah, it's on your Facebook, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you don't just have to re- be quiet. Oh, damn. Definitely. So just a quick shout out for every uh, to the sponsor of the show, which is, of course, uh, your site, which is johnnyhatesmarketing.com. That's J-O-N-N-Y hatesmarketing.com. It is. Uh, yeah, I was just double checking. I was like, did I get that right? I did. Yeah. Um, so like, I've got to ask right off the bat, what what inspired you to get that URL? Like, I'm really wondering here. Yeah. It's a well, great I'm, URL, I'm- by the way. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I, and a lot of people in my tribe also hate marketing, so it kind of speaks to them. I, I was on a, a podcast with a with a Canadian dude called Scott Doucette. He's a kind of podcasting ninja, this dude. And um, this was oh, late 2017. And I, I just kind of launched this business. It was really nascent. It was, you know, the first few months. And I'd called it um, The Success Party. And I got a oh, URL called the successparty.com. I thought, that sounds fucking great. That does. I went, great, yeah. People pat me on the back going, what a great name. You're going to really crush it with that name. Um, and then it just occurred to me, it's actually a bit lame. You know, my, my rationale that everybody wants to be successful. People like coming to a party, but uh-uh, just didn't quite come together. So I was, I'm on this podcast and this guy's talking. Um, we're talking about some shitty marketing ideas that we'd come across, some sleazy marketeers, you know. Yep. And uh, we were laughing about this. And he said, uh, Johnny, I think you just hate marketing, don't you? I went, yeah. And he goes, spoiler alert, Johnny hates marketing. I said, hang on, just just say that again. And within days, literally, I'd rebranded the whole freaking lot uh, to Johnny hates marketing. And see, the rest of the state history, people are piling on board on a daily basis. You know? See, I, f- I love the way that you've got your set out as well, especially like with your brand image as well, the whole like face and shades looking over to the side. I, I, I fucking love that. It feels so rock and roll about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a bit of rock and roll in me, you know, cause I'm a, I'm a professional musician. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think I remember you actually saying that one, like it, somehow remembering that you're a musician and I can't remember where it was. I think it might've been Stephanie. So what type of um, music? I like? play, I play keyboards. So I, I, I play rock and, and blues and jazz, blues and jazz, I guess is my, my preferred genre. I've been playing since I was eight. Um, I, you know, so when, when you kind of play for a long, long time, um, you build up some chops, some technical competency, and jazz is the most challenging kind of, you know, genre of music to play. It needs real study and a bit of competence to, to pull it off. So, yeah, that's my uh, that's my thing. I'm a, I'm a jazz piano player, if anybody was to ask, I guess. That's kind of amazing because jazz piano is something that I was inspired um, because I bought a piano at the start of 2017 for this exact reason. Superb. Who, who do you uh, who do you like? Who's your favorite? Uh, still to this day, it, it's it's really hard. Uh, Charlie, I can I can barely remember the names. Charlie Broker, I think, is one of them. Um, Dave Brubeck is another, oh, but probably my Brubeck's all-time fine. favorite is Herb uh, Herbie. Herbie Hancock. That's the one. I felt yeah. in love. I, I took his um, masterclass. Yeah, I did too. Seven seventy quid, I paid for it. Yeah, great, great amount of value for seventy quid. Oh, like insane right. amounts, and the video production on it alone was brilliant. I mean, from a videographer yeah. standpoint, just loved it. So, yeah. <laughs> by the way, guys, you're in for a little treat because this is exactly how the show always goes. If you're the first time listener, um, yeah. and always, oh, by the way, just quick shout out to our second sponsor, which is of course adelamarcy.com. Go there. Check out the other episodes that we have on the show and um, listen back, rate, review, and subscribe as always. Now, one of my first questions that, well, you've already answered one of my first questions, how you came up with the name. Um, particularly, what was, that, what, was, what was your biggest challenge in starting a marketing agency? Because honestly, nearly 20, when you started, nearly everyone and their mother was starting one. Like it was like the big tidal wave towards this. So, how did you survive when so many people have failed? Well, you, you know what? I, I've, 
you're the first person ever who said I've got a marketing agency. It doesn't feel like a marketing agency. It just feels like, you know, I work with coaches and therapists, help them find more of their ideal clients more easily. Um, it's it's not a done-for-you service. I've backed out of that completely. It's about guiding people to their own truth, to their own real business, um, so they can they can build it for themselves, you know? See, I, I agree with you, but the thing I want to just clarify for the people, when I say the word agency, that's just basically the way that I use the... Um, if, if you're serving a client and basically getting paid for it and, you know, you essentially, it's a, it's more of a, wait, is it a done for you or a done with you service? Um, it, it's neither. Um, my, my, I've been asked to characterize this and the nearest I can get to it is like, you know, guided coaching. So I'm going to show you how to do it. Okay, um, so it's like the old kind of you know b- biblical proverb i think about you know you, you give a man a fish you feed him for a day you teach him how to fish you'll feed him forever you know so i'm i'm, I'm teaching people how to fish basically <laughs> so johnny hates marketing and loves to fish uh yeah <laughs> i get seasick though oh no, i don't blame you it's kind of crazy. So back to the question, like realistically, how did you actually manage to succeed? Let's just, th- let's scrap the term agency here and let's just kind right. of go to what it is. So how did you get into what you're doing in the sense of um, guided coaching essentially? And how did you succeed? Because even that term, coaches, huge flock of way of those guys, but none of them really make it. Yeah. So what was it about you that was so special that stood out? Or at least what was it about you that stood out that got you to where you are today? Well, I, I think it's a, a deep understanding of my tribe and their challenges. Because you know what? Um, I was the shittiest, rubbishiest coach for 15 years, pretty much. After I sold my business in 2003, we, we, we built quite a big uh, financial consultancy over seven years. Launched it in 95, 96. And uh, when we sold, we had 200 staff. We had eight, eight offices around the UK and 10 million turnover. Sold it to a, a public company. But I just kind of fell into coaching. I was looking for something to do. And there were enough people from my former business, former clients of ours, asking me to help them. You know, just give them a help. Show us how to market. Show us how to sell. Show us how to um, raise money for the business. You know, develop an exit strategy. So I just became this kind of ragbag business coach, very unfocused, doing anything that people had asked me to do. Johnny, the go-to guy for business, you know, Um, and I just got ridiculously busy, overwhelmed, underpaid, you know, you know, you know, that kind of malaise, you know, when you, when you're unfocused and I I realized I was suffering from something I've, I've defined it in this way. I don't know if you've heard of this, you probably haven't because I made it up. It's called the, I call it the vagueness virus. I've never heard of that, but that's that I know what you mean. As soon as you said it, I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. When you have no clarity over actually what you do, who you do it for, and, and, and no no prescribed delivery method, then you just end up flailing around. You know, it's like you're walking in a fog. Every day just felt like purgatory to me. By by 2015, I guess I just had enough of it, and I started firing clients. And my missus was going, "What, what are you doing? We we can't go on holiday. We can't pay the mortgage. What's happening?" Um, but I was determined that, you know, I was going to learn from these big hitters. And you, you and I had a conversation earlier, you know, about these icons like Frank Kern in the States, you know. But yes. what, what, these, what these guys do and what I now do is I developed a deep understanding of, of my superpower. You know, what it is I do, what I actually bring to the world, the number one thing. Um, and then moving on from there, I've developed a really keen understanding of who I want to work with. Yeah. Um, because I was such a, a disconnected and hopeless you know, business consultant coach for so many years, I thought, well, there must be other people out there struggling like me. And uh, I came across a report, I think it was by McKinsey or one of the big uh, global accountancy firms. Yeah. So, you know, the average coaching income around the world is like 23 grand a year. What? You know, something really ridiculous that That's these sad. people have trained for years. Yeah, I know, it's mad, isn't it? they got qualifications, you know, they got their chops together. I mean, some of the people in my network, man, you wouldn't believe it, they... They save people's lives. You know, they literally stop people committing suicide and checking out. So incredibly talented people, but not a clue how to find clients. Yeah. No, I, I, I can so, relate to that. Yeah. So I just thought, well, you know, let's have a go at this. So I put myself out there. I, was, um, I, I, I have this XYZ sentence, 
um, which I encourage all my clients to, to fill in the blanks. So um, it goes like this. I help X to do Y so they can Z. Um, and that, that's how I reply when somebody says, Johnny, what do you do? I say, well, I, I help coaches and therapists to find more of the ideal clients without paid advertising so they can build a thriving practice and enjoy a life of abundance, you know, that sort of thing. And if there are coach or therapists listening to that, they'll go, oh, okay, it's interesting. <laughs> How do we work with you? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So this X, Y, Z sentence is, is kind of at the heart of what I show my clients how to develop for themselves so they can start to anchor themselves in reality, you know, rather than saying, I help people get unstuck. Or I had a coach say to me the other day, I help people find their symphony. I went, what does that mean? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. That is a very badass line. Yeah. But it doesn't mean shit. I, exactly. It's it's a badass way of, of, of turning something that could be impactful into something that has no impact. It makes you go, hmm. But, you know, I, I've, I've got a simpler way of look at, looking at life. I, do. I think if you, if you go to the world looking at the world through your client's eyes, then everything becomes easier. In other words, what is this guy thinking? What is he feeling? What is his challenge? What are his deepest desires? You know, what does he want to get away from? Where does he want to get towards? And you can't feed him something that says, I'm going to help you find your symphony because that's nothing anybody said ever about themselves. You know, but if you say, look, I'm going to help you find more of your ideal clients without paid advertising, you can bet your life most coaches and therapists have got up in the morning and gone, I need to find some more clients. How do I do it? I don't want to advertise. How can I do it? So then when my thing just plops in their newsfeed, they go, hmm, interesting. I need to talk to this guy. You know, I, I, I don't think that's difficult to achieve for anyone. I don't think that's rocket science, as we say. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know about you. but No, no, I, th- I agree with you because that is one of my challenges I had for a really long time was finding the right clients. Finding clients is piss easy. Finding the it's right piss clients. piss easy, man. It's piss easy. Finding the I, I right work, clients. I used to work 60-hour weeks. I was busy. Yeah. But it, the whole thing was, was a pile of shit, basically. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, in all fairness, if all you're after is just clients, put up a $1 offer to work with you and you'll see people flock to you. Yeah, but, exactly, yeah. But if you want to get the right people that really make your heart sing that you want to work with, yeah, of course, you gotta you got to, like, see it that way. And I love the concept that you have in your mind where you're essentially looking at the world through your client's eyes. Yeah. And very few people do that. For me, whenever I... um. Whenever I write copy, one of the processes I use, which I don't really talk about that much and I really should, uh, or at least should, because I don't like using that word all that much, but I will be doing more of. Could have, should have. Exactly, right? You should all over yourself. Um, <laughs> that's one of my favorite things that Tony Robbins ever said, actually. He was like, all the shoulds you have, do you ever feel someone ever shoulds all over you? I was like, God damn it, they really yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start you. using that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, by all means. But like one of the things I actually found was um, – I, whenever I sit down to write anything, I never write it from my client's perspective. I write, I write it in three levels, which is why it takes me fucking ages at times. And anyone like, I'm grateful. There's three pillars for this. There's three pillars for getting someone to work with you. They have to yeah. know you. Uh, sorry, you have you have to be likable. Yeah. Uh, you have to have a great service. Um, yeah. and you have to have amazing deliverability. So those are the three. Now, yeah. if you got two out of three, you're golden. You're good. If yeah. you have all three, you're fucking golden. For me, it's usually likability and does great work. Yes. Like like the whole like uh, deliverability on time thing, that has been blurred a few times where I've had a couple of clients yell at me like, how the fuck are you like three weeks late on this project? Um, and then I'll mail it in. And then they'll be like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever read in my life. I was like, send it out, make them a shitload of money. I'm like, that extra three weeks, I needed it to just basically carry home because I won't write until I get the idea. And the reason I'm getting to this is um, the way I do it is mentally I capture my client's voice and then uh, I use that. I do my research on what their ideal client feels, wants, whatever. And then I use their words and their voice, but sharpened up to the right words to find that right market and connect the two together. Oh, man. It sounds like you are a copywriting ninja. You're, you're, you're the genius copy, copywriter of the industry at that rate. Um, I mean, that, that's exactly what needs to happen. You know, I, I, I create copy every single day. I, I do a thing called a daily brain tattoo. Ooh. Nice. Uh, 
yeah, which is my uh, kind of one minute read, you know, um, like Seth does, you know, like Seth Godin does every day. Yeah. Um, I, I got the practice from him, if not the, the, the style directly. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to think that somebody else could write those at some point, you know, and, and, and use my voice. Yeah. This guy right here. Who knows? <laughs> Guys, you, you podcast listeners, you're just you just uh, you're just listening in on a deal being brokered here by the sound of it. <laughs> oh man, they they're used to this. When I was speaking to Matt Wolf and Joe Fear, um, I had them on the show. Before the show, I made Matt laugh so goddamn hard because I've been trying to get him on a show for four years. I just taught him a new one for the first twenty minutes of the conversation. And then when we actually got onto the show, instead of me going like, hey guys, here's my guests and have fun with them, um, Matt turned it, because they're both podcasters, Matt turned it around me and was like, so why don't you use the word learn in your copy? And then I started like explaining why. At the end All of right. that call, he was like, oh, by the way, this is our new copyright, guys. He's working with us. And I was like, wait, what? He was like, yeah, we are. <laughs> I was like, deals have been done on this show. I like it. Yeah, but, um, well, I, I, I have a, I have a hole in my team. It's fair to say. You know, you know what we do when we're growing our businesses? We all tell ourselves this crazy story that only I can do that. Yeah, only I can do that. And um, at its worst, it completely stultifies you and stops you growing at all because you think, well, only I can do my accounts. You know, which yeah. is crazy. Only I can build my website. And oh, we, we see coaches doing all this kind of, you know. Aluminium stuff instead of the gold stuff, you know. Uh, but I think we 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 usually stop at the point where we go, well, only I can write my copy because, you know, that that is sometimes true. Sometimes, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't it, disagree uh, with that. The, yeah? I, sorry, I'm only saying this because the amount of times I've had coaches and therapists and every business owner you can believe say to me, "You can't write in my voice. I've got to write it for myself to begin with." Because yeah. only I can do this, only I can handle this, well, and I'll, and I'll sit me, there and I'm me, like, let me let me reframe that then, because I'm, I'm I'm not that guy. Oh, I know you're uh, not, but I'm what, saying like what, what I was going on to say in uh, what I was going on to say. Yeah, I, I just didn't want you to humiliate me live on my on my oh, face. Oh God, I would never <laughs> do that. I'd let <laughs> yeah. you do that. You can do that to yourself all day, my friend. <laughs> no, my cats it, like chiming in on this. It, it is tempting to say, isn't it, that that only I can do that. Um, the reason I'm still doing it is that I haven't found anybody yet who can handle it. Who can do it? Yeah. it. All right. Well, like I said, so you never I'm, know. I'm open to the idea there might be somebody out there. Yeah, you never um, know. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I'm just so smart. I'm just so fucking clever. I'm so know? talented and pretty. Just like you know, no one really gets me. Pretty and you know, it the, the, the hairstyle to match all, this kind of thing. In all honesty, I can tell you right now, you're. I I just figured out whose voice you remind me of. Hmm. Uh, and people can disagree with me, and if you do disagree with me, feel free to, but watch his uh, ad on Masterclass, and you will genuinely agree with me. Neil fucking Gaiman. Neil Gaiman? No, Neil Gaiman, as in the guy that wrote Good Omens. and Right, Neil Gaiman, okay. And American Gods and stuff like that. So so you're not saying fucking is his middle name, then? No, God, no. You just put that in, okay. I just put that in for for, for dramatic (laughs) effect, really. You just renamed an icon. Yeah, pretty much. Your name is Neil Fucking Gaiman. Wait, what? <laughs> In all fairness, he's married. He's like he's married to Amanda Palmer. So I'm like, good on all you, right. buddy. I'm like, good on you, buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's and, crushing it. Oh yeah. It I, see, I love. Uh, well, he's a great author. Um, yeah. He's actually sold. If I remember correctly, he's one of the most famous authors because like a lot of his stuff has been picked up by TV and networks. So yeah. obviously, makes a lot more. But he had, uh, and side note completely, because this is a piece of advice I think everyone should hear, especially your tribe as well. Yeah. If you want to get, like, really good at writing, like, books, and even, like, just writing books itself, Neil Gaiman's advice on it is uh, take a tale of heroic journey, like, a hero's journey, and change one thing in it. Oh, right. Okay. Because his book and TV show, American Gods is North mythology set in America in modern times. That's all that's changed is he's changed the timeline. Everything else is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And and for the people in marketing wondering, how the hell do I actually do this with my business? Well, without swiping or stealing from anyone, the way that you do this in your world is Mm. you figure out what your story is, your natural story, and then you literally go out there uh, find a proven model that works like johnnyhatesmarketing.com and basically use what you have there but 
change it to your story. That's the one change. You use the same strategy, but with your story, and it changes the entire plume of existence. Yeah, so that'd be quite fun. Now, yeah, I, lo- I, lo- I love that. That's powerful. So you, you're saying uh, I remind you of Neil Gaiman's voice. The, the way yeah, I- like you guys have a very similar voice. It's oh. a very similar tonality. And I'm like, huh, I no idea why that is. But I was thinking that early, and then as soon as it was something I, you said, I, I was like, I, you guys I'll sound. Well. I, I was um, I was talking to a pal of mine yesterday about um, how some of these coaches seem to just explode and go exponential. Yeah, guys like Rich Litvin. I was listening to Rich Litvin the other day, and it just occurred to me that his speaking, his delivery, uh, the way that he puts sentences together, the the word choice is just remarkably good. Yeah. Um, and I think that that seems to be a talent that all these guys have. If they're to get a global reach, you can't just talk shit, you know, and, and you can't, you can't sound, like sound ordinary. You have to sound kind of extraordinary and authoritative. Yeah. You have to have a certain je ne sais quoi about you. Mm. Well, that just says a certain I don't know about you. So a certain voice, to be fair. You yeah. have to have like a certain tonality pitch. But you're good at talking too. I mean, like you say, you've done you. voiceovers and all that yeah. shit. Oh. You have like, a voice of authority when you talk. Why, thank you. The voice of authority. Yeah, um, exactly. But the thing is like this, I actually, it can be developed, but I kind of got lucky because I'm a natural extrovert. So put me on, on stage in front of a crowd and watch me basically make them dance to my beat. Um, yeah. But the crazy thing You DJ? Is, no, no. God, no. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not exactly the best musician in the world. Uh, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm terrible. My, my genre is more hip-hop and R&B. Like, even though I play... Uh, I used to play drums. I used to play bass. I play the ukulele right now, and I'm learning to play the piano. Um, uh, see, yeah, I, I don't get that, man. I don't get how you can used to play bass. Used to play drums. Because I why, 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 don't you still, how, why don't you still... I broke both my wrists multiple times. Oh, so when okay. I hit when I hit drums, uh, the vibrations really mess up my hands. For like, if I start playing for a while, the vibrations right. start uh, giving me. I'll let gets, you off the. I'll let you off the hook. Then. Yeah, that's the only reason. I picked up. I picked up a uh, bass guitar for my neighbor, so I'm picking that back up. And uh, it's been 13, 14 years since I played bass. Um, I'm getting an electric drum kit for my birthday this year, so at least that way it's not so hard on the joints. So when I hit, yeah. I don't get the same vibration through my hands. Well, I, I just think you don't want to you don't want to do it badly enough. That that's what it is because you, you would overcome. One of my favorite jazz piano players is a, a French guy called uh, Michael Petrucciani, and uh, he's dead now. He, di- he died in his thirties, and he had this incredible um, bone disease from uh, from birth basically, and he he grew to be about three foot six tall. So just just a meter and a half or something like that, wow. um, and he played jazz piano as good as anybody who's ever lived. Basically, internationally renowned artist Michael Petrucciani is his name. Um, Check him out. But he, he would he would play a solo and he would be breaking his fingers. He would come off stage after a live gig and um, he'd be breaking four or five fingers and he'd have to you know have them in, have them in splints for another week. But he uh, he overcame all that and he's just incredible so don't mind about your bloody wrist man if you want to play bass go play go play oh, the bass that's, the only reason i'm actually worried about my wrist is because my other passion is uh brazilian jiu-jitsu okay because yeah. martial arts is kind of like yeah i kind of need my wrist to like choke people out like i need my hand <laughs> choke to, people out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what brazilian jiu-jitsu is like people don't get this Just like, I, I was uh i was talking to um, one of my friends um yesterday about this get like talking to them about jiu-jitsu and they're like oh what is it like i was like honestly they're like what time do you go i was like there's the gym i'm at there's multiple classes but i do the morning class at 7 a.m to like 8 30 that's my time that i love to train yeah that's when i train yeah. so i get that done and they're like oh what's brazilian jiu-jitsu i was like it's arguably like everyone i don't mean this is a slur to anyone so i hope no one takes it as such um it has been labeled by many people as the most gayest sport you could take take part in. I was like, why is that? Because you are straight up cuddling other humans, particularly men, because it's mostly a male sport. And you have to be super comfortable in your sexuality to do this. Main reason, within the five minutes, you'll have another dude's nuts in your face. Oh. Not, not because you're like, you wouldn't even think of it because what you're thinking is, oh, for the love of God, do not choke me out right now with your legs. Mm. Because that's exactly what goes on. Or like, I, I don't want to die with your nuts in my mouth. That's pretty um, much what it would be, but like, uh, there's a my favorite my favorite thing ever. If you've ever watched the first UFC event, UFC one, mm. um, the triangle choke, or if you watch Lethal Weapon one, uh, Mel Gibson's character like executes a very shitty triangle choke. But right. um, 
it's literally just like you're using your leg across the uh, one of the arteries and using that arm to choke themselves out with your like just a, it holds a, a fulcrum and it uh, holds them in place. Yeah. But this is my morning. Like this is why I like doing jujitsu. It's like, yeah. What do you do? We wake up. We choke each other out. We probably break each other's arms, and then what? <laughs> we go get each other out. out. You see, I don't, I don't think I'd be any good at martial arts because I I, I human contact for me. Uh, I'm very selective, basically. So I, I, I just there's just something about somebody else's body and hairs and sweat that would just just completely flip me out. I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, no, I would say that. Like some people do have that. I'm like, nah, it's it's a thing. But that, now we have we have your weakness. So now I know what to do to send to you if if if, if I want to. First, it's by the way, yeah. trust. Just send him like a bag of human hairs. Like why? Like on Family Guy, where uh, where they made a pie with hair in, and uh, Meg made everyone a pie. Oh my God! Yeah, oh, don't even. Do you want some yeah. cool whip with that? Yeah, like, you're eating my hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there was something you said earlier that made me like reference the cartoon. But I was like, I don't know if you'll know this, and I can't remember what the fucking cartoon is. But um, kind of going it'll, back to it'll it, it'll come to you. It'll come to me. But back to it, what I was going to ask was like, so mm. with people trying to figure out what they do, because I love your X Y Z system. All right. My curiosity is, what if you have someone that does so many multiple things? I mean, like, and the example I'm giving here is only about a week ago, I finally decided that uh, I, I'm classed as an artist, podcast, a copywriter, consultant, phone strategist, blah, 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 but you name it. I've done it for so long that basically I fucking wrote the books that most people use. But I really wanted to focus down on what it is I wanted. So for me, it took me a long ass time to get to the point where I could say I'm known as, and jokingly because yeah. I wanted the I wanted the domain, uh, MrCopywriter.com. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of, um, fuck, what, you know, uh, Mr. Rogers, like in the US, the old uh, the old P- PBS show they have, like, um, mm. I really want to re- reimagine the entire marketing to that domain as Mr. Rogers. Like, hi guys, we're going to go in today and talk about sales. Just get really folksy with it for whatever yeah. reason. But my question to you is, how does someone that has so many multifaceted areas find A, what they love to, like what they can actually identify as helping people and B, do it without actually feeling they're letting go of everything they are, like all the other skills they have? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the most important thing is to just realize that this is your game. It's your rules. You decide, you know, you get to decide all these things, don't you? There's nobody saying you must do this. Um, but it, it, here's the thing with niching, you know, when you when you pick specifically a client avatar so you can do all this good stuff we mentioned, you know, about looking at the world through their eyes. Um, that doesn't preclude you from working with anybody else at any time if they come knocking, you know. Um, this is just about how you show up. It's about your outbound marketing, isn't it? It's about your brand, your persona. You know, you can be the world's number one copywriter. You can still advise people on Twitter strategy if you want to, yeah. you know, if they come to you and that's what they need. And what you'll find as well is that when, when you're engaged with people, uh, there'll be other stuff that you can help them with too. I mean, I find myself picking people up off the floor sometimes, you know, so I do a bit of mind coaching and that kind of thing, you know, yeah. talk to them about habits and daily processes and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it comes down to this, sell them what they want and then give them what they need. Yeah. So what my tribe wants is more clients more easily and that's what I sell them. Once I'm working with them, Sure, I sometimes open the toolbox, you know, and there's a few other things in there that I can guide them to. You know, I've done this, I've done that. Um, But, you know, this clarity of message is what makes night and day difference in your business. You'll either fail or you'll succeed. If you you suffer with the vagueness virus and you don't shake it off, then you're not going to attract anyone. If you try and appeal to everyone, you'll appeal to no one, will you? Exactly. Um, I've got, I've got I've got a book on on my desk here. I'll, I'll, uh, oh, that's such a good book as well. Yeah. This is marketing by Seth Godin. For those that are listening to this, those that are listening to this, I'm going to show it to my tribe here. But there's a quote on the back which really kind of answers your question. So you see that heading there? Yeah. It says, "People like us do things like this." So think about this, guys. If you're out there in the world and you're vague and you're a generalist, you say, "I'm a coach." Yeah, or I'm a hypnotherapist, something like that, and that's it. Not only have you got all your work ahead of you, but nobody is going to resonate with that. 
because people don't get out of bed in the morning and go, I need a coach. They don't even go, I need a hypnotherapist. They go, I need to stop smoking or I need to lose weight or I look fat or, you know, whatever, whatever their problem is. So you've got to show them that people like them work with you. People like them do things like this, like working with you. I think it's just a lovely quote from Seth. I mean, Seth's a genius in this, obviously, probably one of the greatest that's ever lived in our industry. But people like us do things like this. You want to resonate with the crowd who say that, who say people like us work with Johnny. People like us work with Adol. And then, you know, you've got an open goal, haven't you? People are going to come flooding into your world and they're only going to be the people that you're trying to attract. So if it's hard, if it feels hard, then okay, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You've got to do it. You know, oh, if you can, if you can alienate the ninety-nine percent of the world that you don't want to deal with, um, then great. You know, that's a big tick in the box, isn't it? Because one percent of the world is still enough to make you a fortune. Oh, entirely. I mean, if I remember correctly, I, one of my one of my clients was telling me this. Um, I, I asked him how many clients he actually has in his consultancy. Yeah, he's like, I only have four clients. I was like, oh, okay. And goes, you know what the crazy thing is? Like, what's that? He goes, each client pays me two hundred. Uh, was it two hundred fifty grand each? Yeah. I was like, seriously. He's like, yeah. He goes, all my marketing is geared to them. Like, all the yeah. shit that I send out to them is. Not. I was like, what do you do? He was like, honestly, it's the most. Bo- I think it was like something to do with um, tax consultancy for businesses that are earning over X amount, so they can make sure that they um, all their assets were protected through holding companies. Right. So what he would do is he would set up the holding company, set up all their mini assets and their little tribes. Uh, not tribes, all the little businesses underneath them. Yeah. And then if I remember, because he taught me, through, I wrote his copy, but like it was mm. very, very, it was like more or less as a freebie because he was helping me with some tax stuff. He yeah. literally said to me, um, he goes, what people don't understand is if you put this in, hold, if you have a holding account, have your little companies, limited companies underneath this big holding account, all your assets go through that. It's fucking awesome. But with companies that are doing well above like the number that he wanted, which I think was like 50 million and up, because yeah. those companies have those in place, but the problem is they're trying to fight a legal loophole system and they keep trying to find loophole after loophole after loophole. The yeah. problem is if they turn that around and actually go through this process I've created, there are no legal loophole's. It's yeah. actually just using the yeah, law. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's like just using the law. There's no loophole. Well, it just shows it just shows that just shows the power of 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 successful niching and, and client exactly. alternative on. And if you are going to eliminate ninety nine percent of the world. You better leave you with leave yourself with one percent who can afford to pay you. Yep. You know, so finding a wealthy niche. You know, one of my favorite stories about niching is a, a lady in the states as a life coach who evolved herself through just working with women, through working with sports women, um, to actually working with female show jumpers, and she got introduced to one, and now she's like the number one performance anxiety coach for female show jumpers in the United States. Um, but what a great niche that is because, you know, these are all wealthy people. Yeah. You know, you don't spend your last hundred grand on a horse, do you? You know, and these, <laughs> unless you're crazy. Yeah, um, much. So, you know, she, 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 her hourly rate, I think is like 700 bucks an hour now, something crazy yeah. because that these people can afford it and what she's doing for them impacts on their lives at such a level that, that they want to pay that, you know, because they're, they're going to get it back. So that's the thing. I mean, when, when you, if you're at all anxious about, about niching, you know, think about that kind of three-legged stool, if you like, which is somebody you enjoy working with, somebody who'd enjoy working with you, and somebody who can afford to pay you. You know, those are the three legs, aren't they? Because yeah. um, that, that's responsible for a whole lot of misery in in our business. You know, in the therapy and coaching sector, that that they're just fishing in pools of people who have no money. You know. Yeah. People who are addicted to drugs, you know, people are on their uppers, you know, their life is in ruin. Um, and what they really want is a government-sponsored counsellor rather than a coach that anyone's <laughs> charged them for. Yeah, like, like get paid to do what they do best. And it's the same yeah. with like copywriting. Like the majority of copywriters don't actually make as much money simply because, um, well, good copywriters, the ones that work for themselves are actually really good. The reason yeah. they don't make as much money is because they actually want to help everyone. And I was that guy for a long time because a lot of people think there's only two levels. There's generalist and specialist. There's a third level, which is very dangerous. And it's known as the generalized specialist. It's when you get so good that you can walk into any business and solve their problem. 
Ah, that is the biggest pain in the ass. That is my biggest pain in the ass because I've worked for nearly 400 markets and then there's dozens of sub niches in each one Ah. where it's all the same shit. Like, honestly, like it's the thing, the way that you develop, once you develop a process to this kind of stuff, you pretty much understand how to do it for anyone everywhere. Yeah. um, Around the world. And Mm. that the the danger, and it's a good, it's a double-edged sword. So the danger is that you get really bored really quickly and you don't want to work with just everyone. But the upside is you could literally target your audience and message in a way that allows them um, to actually come to you to know what you do. Like for instance, me going as Mr. Copywriter is more towards like, rather than going, okay, Adil writes copy for this company and these types of people only. It's like, no, Adil does everything copywriting based. It doesn't have to be a niche, but it's, who are my four clients? My four clients is a self-development company, a stocks mm. and trades company, uh, a, a coach that works for therapists and other coaches uh, to get mm. them clients named Johnny, uh, and like two other people. So like I but, have, yeah. You know what? I, I sorry to cut across it. Oh it's no, of just course. just bursting out with you do you do have a niche, don't you? Because you're, you're you have an outcome niche rather than a, a client niche. Your outcome niche is that you write copy that sells. And uh, I love what you said then about the um, the, the specialist generalist or the the, the generalist specialist, because yeah, yeah. that, that must explain how you know these global super coaches like Rich Litvin, like Steve Chandler, like Steve Hardison, you know how they can get clients on board at you know hundred grand, two hundred a million bucks like Hardison, and that's because their their niche is exactly that that they can um, that they can get an outcome. With, with with pretty much anybody. I, I actually think they get to the level, these these brands, these personal brands, where their niche is actually being themselves. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, Rich Litvin's niche is being Rich Litvin. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's not open to any of us, is it? Well, it is, but here's the thing, though. Like, a lot of people don't put in the work to get to that level. They want to, like, jump the queue to get there. Like, for me, yeah. like, my biggest pain in the ass is I've been doing this since I was 12, like I've been writing copies since I was 12. I went pro at 18. I'm turning 30 this year. So 12 years of doing this shit every single day. I breathe, sleep, and eat it. Like, I, sh- it's it's so annoying to me that, like, um, I can't turn it off. Like, I really don't know how to turn it off. But, and this is the crazy thing, you get to that point, and then you don't have to get to that point. Like, you can do this in, like, two years. Like, you build yeah. up your skills, you get really, really good, and then you can be yourself and attract your tribe. Like, you, you are yourself whenever you're on shows, whenever you're talking to your tribe, when you're marketing. Sure. You're, like, your voice, I can read it in your copy. And that's yeah. where the true mark of a good, like, a good ad, a good copy really comes from. I can hear your voice in it. So mm. my actual point is, you can get paid to, who, to be who you are, but put in the work to get good enough at what you do first. Like, yeah always have that edge about you like yeah no i'm gonna the reason this show exists is because i got so sick and tired of um back in 20 like 13 14 remember that everyone's trying to be like a guru or an authority at the time like every marketing message like oh yeah the guru yeah Yeah, i got got drawn into it actually i i spent money with some some false idols shall we say (laughs) some fake gurus no, yeah. I, th- I think we all did because that's what we saw as uh, that was what was being pushed and we are influential creatures. So that was influenced. Yeah. The crazy thing that was a shift was at the time I decided to start a podcast because I remember seeing certain marketers out there portray themselves one way in public. And I was like, oh, motherfucker, I know you in private. You are way more fun than this. I want your audience to see the fun side of you. So I used yeah. to get them on my show and I hate asking the same 10 shitty questions every goddamn time mm. i prefer to just kind of like i make them up as they come up like every you know what i, I was on a i was on a show yesterday no names mentioned um, no, you can mention if you and, want. and the guy had like six questions and he was reading them from a sheet oh, and it was so dull this guy just sounded like I, I wanted to say to him do you know what you don't even have to be here you could just record these questions and and then play back my answers uh, it was just so dry and so dull. And I'm thinking, why? Why are you doing that? And when I fired him a question, he was unable to answer it. It was like uh, headlights. Moving on, like a deer in the headlights, and and just went on to his next question. It was bizarre. I thought, man. But you know, they, these things have got to be a show, don't they? Oh, I, I get that. It's also, it's. I had. Um, I remember I did a show for someone like years ago, and I answered their question, and then the the next question 
was just the thing I just answered. I'm like, why are you, are you not paying attention to what I just said? Yeah. Like, that is the dumbest. That's just really dumb, whatever. So yeah. it, I, I'm right there with you. Being yourself is an art form, but get mm. good at what you do. And if you have a show, like a podcast, something, or a YouTube channel, or a Facebook account, or whatever it is that you're putting out there in your medium, mm. be yourself in that medium. But make sure it's enough to bring in the right clients first. So like, get your clients, get your money base, and then still be yourself but more publicly and out loud. And then yeah. build that up to a point where you can actually take on clients at different levels. Um, and again, that's just, I hate to say it, but it's not time as in length, it's time as an experience that mm. you need to actually get. So one of my questions I really do want to ask you, and this is a staple of my show. I, I say yeah. I hate canned questions, but the reason that I... <laughs> yeah. I, I have, saw you just looking at the list there with those questions. There are these questions. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the links to those questions. Um, That's cool. It's actually... It, one of my favorite questions on this is like, when you had life literally whoop your ass, because there is times when life has whooped your ass. We all know. We know it has. Um, whoops all our asses. And like knocked your confidence for six and you're like, I have no idea what the hell I'm going to do. I have no idea how I'm going to get back up. What did you do at the time to build back up to that point where you could feel like you're okay, you know what you're doing and you were confident going out there? And the second part to this question is, what do you do now to make sure you don't fall into that trap of being completely defeated? Or temporarily defeated rather. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to give a, a, a smarmy answer and people are going to think, oh, whatever, Johnny. Um, I, I've been on my ass. Absolutely. I've been been knocked into spaces where I wouldn't wish my worst enemy. But I've never lost my confidence. It's never not my confidence. It's just made me go, oh, shit, I better do something about this. Get a bigger spade. <laughs> do yourself that more quickly. Um, because, you know, having this innate understanding of who you truly are and and what you can achieive, um, I I don't know where it came from, but I've always felt that even as a kid, when I was playing, I always felt I was good at what I was doing. I always had this kind of uh, internal confidence, you know, um, you, you mentioned you were copyright when you were 18. Well, when I was 18, I was playing a Hammond organ in working men's clubs in the North of England. That is a brutal territory, man, I tell you, because yep, yep, yep. they're all so jaded, these guys. You know, the act comes on. I backed some um, some UK names at the time, you know, some comics who were coming up through the club circuit, people like Bernard Manning. Um, and they were brutal guys, you know. If, if you played a wrong note on the organ, they'd rip you to shreds in front of the whole audience and try and make you cry, you know. Um, but, I, you know, I, I just had this confidence. I, I knew that I could do it. And everything I've tried since um, has been kind of 50-50 success and abject failure. But I've always had the confidence to know that I I just need to do something different. I just need to flex it a little bit, just change direction a bit, and it's going to be okay. I've just never, never had a problem with that. So if you are feeling, guys, that, you know, you're doing something that isn't working, don't let that affect your confidence because, you, you know, You'll be okay, whatever happens. You know, I've been bankrupt. I, I, I went in a fi- over a five-year period from driving a Ferrari, brand-new Ferrari at the time, a 360 Spider. Nice. Um, having a 1.8 Rosso Corsa, of course. What color do you think? Well, you wouldn't have a blue Ferrari, would you, unless you're insane. Oh, God, I've seen that. I've seen that shit. It's a red Ferrari. It's always going to be red. That's to be red. Rosso yeah. Corsa. Um, so I had, the, I had the Ferrari, I had the 1.8 million pound house on a private estate. I went from that, and by 2007, I was bankrupt. I had a push bike. They even took my car, which was a cheap car at the time. Um, but it didn't affect me as a person, really. It didn't affect who I, who I truly am. And really, I think if you understand the kind of inside-out nature of existence, you know, that all your thoughts, all your feelings are created from within, not from external situations and people you know nobody can make you angry you make yourself angry as a reaction to something somebody's doing don't you no no nobody has that power so yeah i did quite a long-winded answer i guess but i've just kept on going you know just just kept on keeping on basically see that's a Uh, powerful thing and sorry to just interject it because there's something you just said that's really powerful (laughs) 
See, I like the fact that you've given that answer because sometimes whenever I get people on the show and they give me an answer, it's usually like, no, you know, my, and it's, it's true because I know they're, authentic, they're coming from an authentic place. It's like, no, I, I've done this and done this and no, I was kind of feeling shitty about myself or whatever. Every, like, we need someone that was like, no, I've always been confident when I've, I'll make it back on my feet. I, I know this, like, I know I'll get yeah. there. Main reason is because it just shows not everyone is in that category of like I I I've completely wanted to give up and lose my shit. Like me personally, um, I found this out very recently from my therapist of all people. That my thing is like you know how self worth for most people is tied to their income. Like my how much money I make is how worthy I am as yeah. a person. Yeah, yeah, I don't have that. What I have is my self worth is tied to um my self belief. So if I don't believe yeah. in myself, my self worth is zero. Like I could, yeah. and, and a weird thing about that is my self worth could be zero. I could very easily still charge you twenty grand. All right, I can comfortably be like, "How much is this thing? Twenty grand, great." But then it's like, "Oh, do you reckon you can actually do this work?" I'm freaking the fuck out. I have no idea if I'm actually any good at what I do anymore. And by the way, that conversation of like, I don't know if I'm good at what I do. If you're, yeah. if, you've, if you've ever hit that moment, by the way, perfectly natural. Just lean uh, into of, it. Of course, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was asking somebody the other day, um, just to sort of test where they were. With all this stuff, I said, um, you know, it's the most important thing in a, in a coaching business and well, getting clients. Nope. Uh, marketing. Nope. Uh, how much you charge. Nope. The most important thing in a coaching business is client results. Yep. Client results. And that's where my self-belief comes from the day-to-day experience of changing people's behaviors and, and businesses, you know, and I was going to say changing lives. It does, of course, um, and, and making them more money, you know, on a regular basis, day in, day out. I don't want anybody who comes on my program to feel like they've spent three grand with me. Um, I, don't, I don't want it to be a, a cost center. It has to be a profit center. So, the only thing you have to worry about really is getting results for your clients and your self-belief must come from that then because they're going all the day or all, you know, every day. Thanks for your help. You know, I wouldn't be here without you. You've changed my life, you know? So how can you not believe in yourself when you're surrounded by people saying that? It's, it's easy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you just, yeah, it's really one of those things. And it's something that, um, as a practice, I tell everyone to do. And I totally took this from my friend, Trevor, um, Print out your wins and then mm. put them on a fucking wall where you can see yeah. them. And anytime yeah. you feel shitty, go look at them. Because for me, yeah. I've um, my junior copywriter said this to me as well. And he was like, we still don't understand why you do this, like the way that you do. Like, how can you even uh. doubt how good you are at what you do? I was like, why? I was like, because I'm, ter- I was like, I'm terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. I was like, I sent you an email yesterday and you took it. It was like I was watching you edit that email on, G- on, on Google Drive. And he was mm. watching just the three or four little things that you tweaked. They were like tiny little bits. He goes, but by the time I reread the email, I was like, this is a completely different email. And all you did was change like eight words. Yeah, it makes a difference, doesn't it? Definitely. So at that moment, I printed that conversation out and just stuck it on the wall. I was like, that's what Mark said. I should remember this. Um, yeah. Now, that's actually, because cool, you have a shitload of books behind you. This is one of my favorite. I know we're kind of running it. Running it's the clock right now. Um, I was going to say very quickly. What would you usually? I do ten, but today we're going to do a little bit different. We're going to do five, five books that you recommend everyone should read. But here's the caveat: three of them are nonfiction, and two of them can either be fictional or movies. What would they be? Okay, so you're saying three of them? Okay, uh, businessy um, life self development. Businessy. Okay. Well, we we got to do this one. This is marketing by Seth Godin. It's his latest masterpiece, yep. and and masterpiece. It is. Um, also, I'm really digging Tribe of Mentors, Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss. Yep. That's an easy read because um, it's a prescriptive bunch of questions that he asks to a whole bunch of different people. Um, and it's a massive book. It's like 900 pages. And you can just dip in and out. Yeah, it's not like a continuous. You can jump in at the end. You find who you want to find and you keep going. Yeah, you find who you want to find. Uh, I'm actually going to plug Tools of the Titans as well on top of that. If you can get Tribe of Mentors, get Tools of the Titans at the same time. Same yeah, they're kind, of, they're kind of sister books, aren't they? I, I, I got a great impact in the 4-Hour Workweek as well. Um, Tim Ferriss' first book that kind of launched him into the stratosphere. 
Um, it's a silly premise. I don't think any of us would achieve much just working four hours a week or, or even choose to just work four hours a week. But the, the underlying principles there are great. And it showed me how how possible it is to be a, a digital nomad, you know, how to work yeah. with complete location, freedom, time, freedom. Um, just do what the bloody hell you want, you know, when when you want, basically. So let, let, let's stick at those three for me. Then the four hour work week, um, tribe of mentors, and this is marketing by Seth Godin. Can I also put my book in there because okay, this, is, this is getting a great impact in the coaching stratosphere. It's called Johnny X Marketing: Ninety Nine Ways to Get Your Ideal Clients Chasing You Without Spending a Penny on Advertising, Working Like a Dog, or Losing Your Mind. I like catchy titles. Yeah, it's a great title. Yeah, it's a great time. Um, it so does that was what it says on the tin. That was an Amazon. <laughs> that was an Amazon number one bestseller for a few hours on the day we launched it. In the way that you can manipulate these algorithms and all that kind of thing. Um, do you want any more non-fiction books or fiction oh, books? Dude, go ahead and like you're on a roll. Like go. So we've already got like four. So you've got to give a movie. You got to give me one non-fiction book or movie. Okay, one non-fiction Sorry, book. One fiction, so one fiction book or movie, not non-fiction. One fiction book or a movie. Yeah, I'm going to say Dirty Harry, Clint Eastwood. Oh, classic. I've watched that so many times, and I just never get past the scene where the guy's lying on the road in front of him, and he's pointing his, his uh, magnum at him and going, uh, do you feel lucky? Punk. I just, I just love that. Do you feel lucky, punk? Yeah. Such a brilliant. Yeah. Such did you keep count? Yeah. Did I did I shoot five or six? It's just brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant. And I, I followed Eastwood ever since. Actually, I mean, he's still directing great movies now. Yep. Um, Play Misty for me. You know it, that other cranky movie where he's on the on the cliff top in Malibu. Just wonderful. Just fabulous. So, yeah, go for that, Dirty Harry guys. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Classic. Uh, I would also personally for myself, I would also recommend Million Dollar Baby. Yeah. That was a brilliant movie. Very emotional. Mm. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Johnny, any last things that you want to say to the audience before uh, we, we call wrap today? I mean, I've got to get you back on round two again if you're up for it. Yeah, you bet. You bet. I'll be there. Um, yeah, look, I mean, if, if, if any of you guys are coaches or therapists, I, I have a mission to improve the lives of one million coaches and therapists by 2025. Um. I'd like to think that most of those were directly involved with me somehow. You know, we were working together. So I've got some evidence that, I, that I've helped you. So reach out. You know, the Johnny X Marketing Facebook group is easily findable. Um, just search Johnny X Marketing on Facebook. Duh. Uh, JohnnyXMarketing.com. It's Johnny without an H, so J-O-N-N-E. Yeah. Um, Don't worry. We'll put, we'll put links and, up in the descriptions. Um, yeah, and come come hang out, guys. You know, um, I want this to be the most engaged, most powerful, most impacted tribe of coaches and therapists in the world. So, um, yeah, the more the merrier. That is awesome. And, guys, definitely go ahead and check out johnnyhatesmarketing.com. Uh, listen back to previous episodes we've done as well on adelamarcy.com. And please yeah. uh, rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show. Um, always, uh, always love reading them. And... Johnny, thanks again for being here, man. I appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, cheers, buddy. You're welcome. See you guys on next week's episode. Bye.